Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Elliott. We have a special guest today. I feel like all my guests are very special, but this one is a, a unique one, something that's very awesome. Started in college, kind of just thinking outside the box, wanting to branch out, not just go with what he was going to college for, but also get some real estate investing going on and uh, build some systems in place, doing this all virtually. Um, doing the full remodel, the, you know, everything that goes and that is involved with turnkeys, um, has his agent's license and, uh, definitely just inspired by, by the whole movement of what he's done so far. I mean, he's done, he's sold over 3.5 million, well over 3.5 million in real estate assets for turnkeys to other investors. If you're not familiar with turnkeys, we're going to dive into it today for you guys. And this year he's projected to do double that. If that isn't inspiring you enough to, you know, get the whole fulfillment of this podcast, which is all geared towards educating, motivating, and preparing people, if that doesn't motivate you, you should just tune this out right now and, <laughs> and move on to another podcast because this is going to be the episode that you're really going to unlock a lot of the breakthroughs that you're looking for when it comes down to understanding and identifying how to just really the whole aspect of turnkeys and why it's how it has such a uh, magnetic feel to it that that's very capturing and uh, extremely profitable. So without further ado, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Very good. Thanks for having me on and thanks for the great introduction. Yeah, yeah. Antoine, so if you don't mind just breaking down exactly who you are for any of the listeners out there that don't know who you are and what you do, sure. so we, we can get a better understanding of where you're coming from. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so again, my name is Antoine Martel. I'm 24 years old, started investing really five, four or five years ago, um, back when I was 19. I grew up in, I was born in Toronto, grew up in in uh, San Francisco Bay Area, then I moved to Los Angeles to go and finish up university. So I went to community college and then I went to Loyola Marymount University down here in LA. Uh, did two years here and studied entrepreneurship. And really my last year at LMU, I decided that I didn't want to go and work for somebody else. I wanted to start my own company. I wanted to, I mean, I was studying entrepreneurship. That was what yeah. the whole goal was. Um, and then, you know, while I was at LMU, my brother dragged me and my dad to like a real estate investing seminar. We began learning about how to flip houses, wholesaling, rental properties, you know, every single way that people are making money and making a living and killing it in real estate. And, you know, we were like, okay, well, let's start with flipping houses and started looking at stuff here in LA and San Francisco. And we were just like, wow, we don't have enough money to play this game. We don't have, you know, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars to put as a down payment and then hard money the rest and pay $12,000 a month. It's way too scary. And we don't know what the hell we're doing. And we understood that, which is, it's fine, but you should realize that you don't know what the hell you're doing. And there's a lot of things that could go wrong in that first deal. So we decided to, okay, let's focus on something else that maybe is a little bit less risky and that we can kind of put our eggs in a bunch of different baskets instead of putting all of our money into one basket. So that's when I just did a bunch of research and realized that out of state and 
rental properties. There was a lot of people making a lot of money with both apartment buildings, but also the residential side with single families and duplexes. So while my last year at LMU, I, you know, after talking with two years with, you know, my dad and my brother, and we were like, okay, well, let's try doing this thing out of state. And so I went to Memphis, uh, found a couple properties that we can buy for, you know, 30, 40, $50,000. We can renovate them for five to $25,000 and rent them out and then do a cash out refinance. So what would be called today is like the burst strategy. Yeah. And so that first I graduated in May. So exactly two years ago, it actually came up on my Facebook thing is when I graduated and when I bought, we bought a couple of houses before I graduated. And by the end of the year, we had a portfolio of 10 properties. And the goal was really just to like help my parents retire, help my parents have financial freedom um, so that they can, my dad could stop working after, you know, all this you know, 40 years of working, et cetera. So that's kind of what the goal was to just build wealth for the family, build cash flow, passive income, et cetera. But by the end of that year, we had, you know, ran out of money. And um, a lot of people started reaching out to us too about buying rental properties from, you know, buying rental properties or how the hell did you guys do what you did? And how did you guys invest out of state? Who's your team on the ground? How do you manage all this stuff? And blah, 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 you know, millions and millions of questions. And we're like, well, why don't you just buy it? We haven't refinanced this property. Why don't you buy it before we refinance it? So before we complete our burst strategy, why don't you buy it from us? Um, we're going to make a little bit of money, but it'll help expedite, you know, our growth and our portfolio, but we're also, we'll give you the whole team and help you get financing. Here's the bank we use. Here's the property manager. Here's the insurance, right? And that's when the turnkey business kind of started. So last year we did 60 houses or 60 projects where we bought the property, renovated it, rented it out, and then sold it to a, one of those turnkey clients. We sell them with tenants in place, property management in place, help them get financing, help them get insurance, the whole nine yards. And that's really how the turnkey company kind of scaled. It all started with just an email list of, you know, the Martell family's email list and get a property before we refinance it. And now we have a full blown website. And this year, yeah, we'll do over a hundred homes this year through that website. Oh my God, dude. I love it. So yeah. I mean, so young and just crushing it right off the right off the bat. <laughs> Basically, you started two years ago. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, we bought our first property like two years ago. So first property two years ago. And that first year you did 10 properties. 10. And then the second year, the, this past year, 60, 60 properties. In 2018, yeah. No shit. I just, I'm just like mind blown from this. This is awesome. Congratulations, brother. What, what an amazing achievement. Thank you. Appreciate so, it. Yeah, and then this year we'll do over a hundred. So this year so far we've done 35 projects. Bought I it. love it, man. At the end of the day, like I, I personally, uh, the strategy that I use is the burst strategy and yeah. I've always hung on to my properties, but, but I I've thought about doing this, you know, just like finishing it out and, and selling it to, because people are very gravitated to once they find out that you're doing this virtually, they're like, yeah. well, how the hell are you doing it? And yep. they just, they want to get closer and figure this out. So kudos to you for really building the systems in place to be able to make it happen. Like that's a, that's a lot of work. Yeah. That's Fix where the work the is. Yeah. That's where the work is. The, oh, you yeah. can find properties all day. You can of collect course. rehab bids all day. You can find property managers all day, but finding a good contractor, finding a good property manager, and then yep. having them all work together without you being on the phone for 12 hours a day scheduling. Yes. That's where people mess up. So I've like even mentored and trained a bunch of people yeah. on what I do and my podcast, I literally break it down exactly. But yeah, a lot of people just mess up the system because it's all a, it's all a people business at the end of the day. And so setting up a system where you do not need to be involved on every single step of the process. 
Yeah, I love that. I, I really do appreciate you jumping on here to be able to dive into the value behind it because I feel like the listeners need to hear this. And and at the end of the day, just like you mentioned, there there are you know so many different avenues. There there's yeah. so many different um, property managers. Like all these, the deals are out there, but putting it all together and really systemizing it and making it work properly so you can scale it to do sixty plus last year and yeah. just moving this business up. You know, I typically wait for this question to the to the very end, but I'm so just intrigued right from the beginning. Uh, you know, where do you see your future going? Like, what does the next couple of years look like for you guys? Great question. Yeah, so last year at the end of the year to finish it off with a bang, we actually bought a 20-unit apartment building as well. Love it. Memphis, so literally the same strategy. I mean, you're, we're buying the property. The rents were 550. We increased yeah. them to 850. Yeah. The value went from a million bucks to 2 million bucks. And um you know, it's the same exact thing. It's just the financing is a little bit different and there's more people that you got to deal with in terms of tenants. Right. So that's kind of, that's kind of opening a, up a whole new realm though. So instead of the residential side, getting into more multifamily, larger properties, getting into syndication. So this year, my goal was to do a hundred doors on the residential side and then do a hundred doors of apartment buildings. So looking at, some, looking at some bigger buildings now, like a 40 or 50 unit and yeah, scaling that up and then also like bringing investors in to kind of invest with us in those larger deals. Um, so that's really short term this by the end of the year and then long term doing big apartment building syndications and then scaling up the turnkey company to three, 500 homes a year. Um, I still think that turnkey is like a very affordable, very low risk way for people to just dip their feet into real estate without managing contractors, but they'll at least know what being an out of state landlord feels like and see if you like that feeling. Yeah. And see if you, and get a little taste of it. And I tell my clients all the time, it's like, you shouldn't be buying for me forever. Like you should be just yeah. getting your passive income up to a certain point, then quitting your full-time job and finding out another way to kind of scale what I have laid the foundation for. And now you have the team, you have the, a good property manager, you have um, a, a lender who likes you, who's financing you. We have an insurance company. So you're all set. You can go and scale up that system. So that's kind of what, what the goal is over the next, you know, five years. I love it. I love it, man. That there's some big goals and, and I think it should be nothing but, you know, huge goals like that, which is yeah. awesome. Um, okay. So you mentioned a few different times your team and, and, you know, we, so who, who's the key players? I know you mentioned family, but do you mind just kind of breaking that yeah. down? What that looks like? Yeah, so the Martel Turnkey, the the we started it all together. So it was really me, my dad, and my brother. Um, the first really, my brother didn't really get involved until this year. My dad is actually quitting his job in two weeks to come and join the business full time. He's been working full time this entire time, but he put his no, not a two week notice, but he's on contract, so he's yeah, no, it's crazy, man. So what a blessing! After, I love after forty years, two years of eating shit for two years and now he gets to quit his job. So yeah, but it's been, you know, a family hustle for the last two years, really hardcore. And so my brother joined the company really January. He wanted to be a realtor in the Bay area. We kind of convinced him otherwise and said, just join the company. And yeah, how much do you want to make being a realtor? Okay. We'll pay you at the company, come join and you know, help us, et cetera. So he's been doing great. Started in January. I hired a, also a sales manager to manage all the sales. So last year I, was literally I would buy every single property, underwrite every single property, manage every rehab and sell every house 60 times over. And 
that was just like a lot of sales, a lot of negotiating, a lot of handling contracts. So I brought, hired somebody at the beginning of the year to help with that, the sales side. My brother handles the acquisition side. Um, and then my dad helps with the accounting, finance, legal, et cetera. Um, but he's going to be quitting at, in a couple of weeks. So he'll be full time too. So it's really just us four key people right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really on the ground. So that's where like the real team comes in and, um, that's contractors, realtors, property managers, lenders, uh, inspectors, appraisers, and having all of those people, um, especially the contractor and property management and real realtor really yeah. working together and being very tight knit and having a pre-existing relationship. Um, not let, let, like some California guy came and then introduced us to each other and now we have to work together. So mm-hmm. I go and like find a team or I like to say, I go and find a team already on the ground and show them what they have been missing kind of thing yeah. um, and be the missing piece to, to their puzzle and to the, the business model that they already have, but just scaling the hell out of what they're already doing um, and tightening up some loose ends with, with what they're already doing. Now, have, is this just like a God-given gift that you have or did you specialize in this previously with another job or something or? I never had a job. You never? So, no, I never had a job. I, I, never, I never applied for a job. <laughs> I mean, growing, growing up, I had an internship. Yeah. Um, and that was just about, I worked one summer. My dad told me to go and do it to realize how much it sucks to work for other people, which was great because I was like, damn, these people are slow as hell. Um, but yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, but yeah, never again. But I mean, growing up, I was always entrepreneurial at heart. So, you know, selling candy to other kids, starting a bunch of different companies growing up. So it's always kind of been in me to be that salesman, hustler, negotiator, um, not caring what other people think kind of came with that as well. Uh, but yeah, and just really, yeah. I think it's just something that I've been developing since I was, you know, nine years old. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So for anybody out there that's just tuning in or, or listening or doesn't even understand what a turnkey property is, uh, FYI, it's buying a distressed property, you're doing the full remodel on it and, uh, and basically getting it ready, getting it finance, financeable, getting it uh, rented out and having a property manager and then selling it to another investor that might not have the time or the resources available to do all that, that process, a CEO or, or, you know, an engineer, somebody that's working a full-time job that potentially just wants to be a lot more hands-off uh, and put their money to work in uh, with less return, but still, still a, a solid return. Yeah. Um, solid return with, with less work. Yeah. And there's two yeah. sides of the coin, right? So the turnkey buyer, so somebody who, cause people can search up turnkey rentals and it's just yep. going to show you, you know, the rental property with the tenant in place, property manager, et cetera. But yeah. then yeah, behind the scenes, yeah, the turnkey companies buy the properties, renovate them, rent them out. We get them all, get the properties with a bow on and a lace on it and get it ready to be, to be sold as like a, just an investment opportunity, except your name's on title and you own it. For sure. Yeah. I love it. Cool. So now that we kind of broke that down, do you mind just kind of giving us like an, an overhead look of, what this whole process looks like for you guys from like start to finish, you know, I guess like a quick version, but you can, you can dive dive deep as much as you want, but I know at the end of the day, there's so many damn moving pieces. Yep. Great. Um, so actually we, we also at the beginning of the year, we upgraded our CRM. So we systemized a whole lot of things. So just to walk you through it. So first is to get the deal, right? So 
get the deal. A deal comes from like either the MLS through a pocket listing from a realtor or from a wholesaler. Yep. Uh, get the, one of those properties under contract. I just run some quick back to the napkin numbers and say, okay, renovation based on these photos looks like 20 K. After yep. you do 60 of these in the same neighborhood, you can just come up with the numbers off the top of your head. You're going to know. Yep. Yeah. So come up with the numbers top of your head, put it under contract for a number that makes sense. Yep. Uh, just with the back of the napkin, give myself seven days of due diligence, seven days to close after during due diligence. I have the contractor and inspector go through, collect those bids. If everything's good, then we'll just proceed to closing. If everything's not good, then go back with, you know, a rebuttal or come back with a, a price that I needed that because the rehab bid came in too high. Okay. Um, after that, closing the property, um, contractor begins the work. Work is going to be anywhere from like one week to six weeks, depending on the size of the project. After it has been fully renovated, property management has been initiated. Property management will go and do a final cleanup, a final walkthrough, tell the contractor some little tiny things to clean up to get it rent ready. Then they'll take the professional photos, list it for rent. It's listed for rent for about seven days. Then we get a tenant. Tenant moves in a week or two later. Then uh -huh. after that, once we have all the professional photos, you know, the tenant is signed up on lease that we start pushing out the marketing yeah. the properties then put up on our website and then we start marketing it out. So that's kind of our back end, um, kind of how it works on our back end side. Okay. Now, as far as, you know, the, the rehabs, ha have you ever had any issues in the beginning dealing with contractors or, I mean, I'm sure you've done so many at this point. I know me personally, I, I had a lot of learning curves in the beginning. Do you mind just diving in a little bit to some sure. learning curves that you guys might have had? I've been blessed to have 99% of my contractors be good and do good work and show up on time. And I wow. think it goes back to me finding, the key thing here is me finding a pre-existing relationship of a contractor and that project manager or property management company already existing on the ground so that you're again, not the California guy coming and like <laughs> building a team. No, just, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. If yeah. Joe is working with bill already and they've done 12 rehab projects, well, there's no reason they can't do 120. They just need to add more people to their team, right? Yep. They work well together. They have beers after work. They're great friends. You're just the guy who's going to come and fit into that relationship. And you're only going to talk to, you know, bill who's going to manage joe the contractor right so you so i think that's what helped me not have any issues with contractors because i don't have their phone number i've never asked them you know i never like review their bids and talk to them one-on-one -on -one about the bids or anything like that everything goes through like that project manager person that i put in place who already has a relationship with the contractor yeah so they already know how each other works. They already know that, oh, he comes in high $4,000 every single time and I just got to negotiate every single time down. And you know, there's little tricks that are going to take you years to figure out because you don't spend time with a guy. You're not there, you're out of state and the guy's just going to keep upcharging you, upcharging you. So that's the other thing too is now it's, instead of being Antoine's project, it's you know my project manager's project. So he's going to do right by him, right? It doesn't matter who the hell the client is um, he's going to do right by his buddy and That's his right. friend because they want to go to beers and still have fun together on the weekends, et cetera. Yeah. So I think that that has kind of set me up for success when I have gone out and tried to find my own contractors. Yeah. It's been a total shit show. I mean, with my <laughs> apartment building right now, like I've been trying to find an iron work guy since I bought it in December. 
I've ran through two of them so far. I'm working on the third one now who has my deposit and hasn't shown up in two weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's how it goes. And that's for somebody very special. So that's like an iron work guy, like somebody who can make like handrails and landings and staircases and stuff. So the key to my success has been those pre-existing relationships and finding those and leveraging other people's relationships. It's so key. I can't stress this enough. So I'm really glad you touched on it. At the end of the day, it really is all about the relationships. Yeah. Real estate is such a people person business. And uh, like my very first projects, thank God I ended up, it was a single family project. It should have took two months instead. It took a year and two months, five contractors later, you know, I, I should have sued three of them at least. And I, I repeat this story a lot, but, but at the end of the day, you know, it's so crucial. Thankfully, I, I ended up getting a triplex two months later and that one ended up turning out a little bit better. But moving forward, you know, those were all random guys that I, I was just meeting and I, I'm young and I'm from California, you know, I'm investing over in their area. That's their like territory, you know, people get territorial. Yeah. And, uh, and at the end of the day, California, it, it comes off like, you know, we're swimming in bucks over here, <laughs> um, you know? So at the end yeah. of the day, it's, it's no surprise how, how I got screwed over dozens of times. And, and that's something that, you know, moving forward now, I only go off of referrals and relationships yep. build. And, and that has helped with my success just, just the same. So uh, highly recommend just build those relationships, network, find one or two different people over there that like you can really dive into with a strong relationship and make sure that they are well connected so they can connect you with several other people. Exactly. Yeah. And don't, and like for me too, like I, the same contractor in many of these markets is the first contractor I ever used. And I yep. made it very clear to everybody on the ground. If you guys do me right, I'm going to do every single project by you. I'd rather have a backlog of properties waiting for you to rehab. than I'm not going to go and talk to anybody else. Yeah. And I learned that because I went to Cleveland and, and one of, I was interviewing property management companies. One of the property managers said that to me and I was like, Holy shit. Like, he's like, he said something mm -hmm. like, I want, I want it to be very clear. Like if you choose me, like I'm going to do you right, but I don't want you talking to any of these other people. I want you to just be, have a relationship only with me a one way, you know, a two way street between me and you, but you can't be talking to anybody else. It's not going to be worth my time. If you choose me and choose to go forward with me, then um, you'll have access to all these people, but I don't want you going and talking to anybody else. He was like, I'm not interested in that. I'm just looking to build a relationship between just us. And I want to be your Cleveland guy. You know, it's same thing with the contractors too. I mean, if you go and tell them that or tell your project manager or whatever that, then, you know, they're going to be like, okay, yeah, this guy's serious about what he's trying to do. And he, you know, and he wants to grow and scale the company and the rent and all the project we're doing together. So it kind of puts you guys in, in bed and in business together. I like that. Yeah. Now, did you prefer that in the beginning? Like, did you have respect for that naturally when, when that guy was like, Hey, only you and I, if you choose me, it's just going to be you and I. Um, at the beginning I was kind of standoffish. I think I naturally would be too. That's why I'm asking. And I'm like, I'd probably be like, you know, I'm going to keep my options open. <laughs> but, um, he, he was a young guy. So he was like our age as well. Really? And then, and he said that. And then, you know, on the way home, I don't know what I, what I asked him, but I was kind of like, Oh, what I asked him like more like clarify, like, okay, there must be some backstory as to why he's saying this, right? Like yeah. he's not going to just spit this out. And he, he told me something that kind of made sense. And still I was like, why are you telling me? Why'd you say that? Yeah. And then, 
But then on the way back home, I was, you know, reviewing, this is how I would do it. So I'd fly out there I'd meet companies every single day for five days. Then I'd fly back home. As soon as I got home, I'd review my notes and, you know, unemotional, just, okay, who's best based on yeah. these things that I'm looking for. And he fit all the boxes. And then, you know, it's kind of just thinking about what he said. And I was like, okay, well, no, now I at least feel comfortable that he's going to be, he's going to have the same, if he ha wants that respect from me, then he's going to be giving me that same respect. And that means if, you know, and now like I have clients who come to my website who want to go and visit some of these markets. And then I feel totally fine with pushing those clients over to him and he drives them around for a day, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Um, and now I feel like, okay, well, he said that he's, he's playing with that level of game. So he's met a bunch of my clients and they've been like, Hey, can we just cut Antoine out of the picture? And can we just buy through you? And he's like, Nope, you, you were referred through him. So I can't, I can't do that. He's been loyal to me and I'm going to be loyal back to him. So it wow. all worked out in the end and, and came around and um, cause that's obviously, he's obviously been screwed over in the past, right? From yeah. somebody who wasn't loyal. And now if you can show how loyal you are to somebody, then, it will be uh, reciprocated. I love it. Yeah. So let's talk about networking for a second. A lot of people acknowledge that real estate is in any industry, you know, networking is very important. The whole saying, you know, your, your net worth is your network. It's very crucial. So how do you network and how did you build these relationships? Yeah. Um, did you have boots on ground already over there or did you know anybody? Zero people. Nobody Same here. <laughs> nobody. And so networking with those people out of state is, is much more difficult. Yep. Um, the way that I would do it is again, just like you said, find one or two key people that you're looking for. Yeah. And that can be through cold calling through bigger pockets, through Google search and it's a numbers game. So the more real estate agents, brokers, yeah. you know, lenders. Managers. Yeah. So you can type Memphis property management. I would yep. just call all 20 of them and whoever doesn't pick up the phone is fired. And uh, yeah. the people who don't answer your questions are fired and it's going to leave you with very little amount of options. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and those are the people sure. that you move forward with. Yeah. Uh, same thing with realtors. Many of them don't even know what a investor is or what they do or how they make money which still baffles me today, but, um, <laughs> really? but yeah, a, lot of, a lot of them don't know about investing, how numbers work, how profit is calculated. They're just looking for the commission check. So, you know, that's 75% of them are not going to work for me. And, you know, after you call 200 realtors, there's probably five, you know, five realtors that may make sense for you and what you're trying to do. So really just a numbers game of reaching out to people out of state and then scheduling a time, you know, a week or two in advance booking five days and then setting up meetings with those five or 10 people that you have cold called already that make sense and are worth your time meeting. Yeah. Um, so that's how I kind of help build the teams on the ground. Um, and then networking locally is like a walk in the park. It's just takes time and energy, which people don't want to invest. So like, cause for example, when I started, I only started with like $50,000 and it was my dad's money. And I had to raise a lot more money to do 60 projects last year. I had to raise a whole lot of money to do all those projects. Yeah. And how did I do that? Well, I networked my ass off in LA. So went to meet up and networking events, uh, went to bigger pockets events, messaged as many people as I possibly could in my zip code on bigger pockets and said, Hey, I'm a real estate investor. I invest out of state and I saw your profile. I wanted to see if you wanted to connect and get together and just talk about real estate. And I would just meet people every single day for coffee and just building that Rolodex and wasn't a sales pitch or anything like that. It was just sharing information, you know, just like this is. 
Yeah. Um, having the same exact conversation and then, you know, hitting them up three or four weeks later and said, Hey, I have an opportunity now. Do you want to invest with me? And that's how I kind of was able to scale so fast was the jet fuel was all that money from all those people that I met for those two years. I love that. You know, something that has also just to add to that, something that has helped me personally is really painting the vision into people of like what my goals and vision is for the area. You know, I don't know if this is negative or, or what have you, but me personally, I feel like a lot of people out there can potentially lose track of like their goals or, or their dreams and potentially like give up early. And then once they see somebody else come in to their area, kind of like jump into their world with a bunch of energy and excited and like, Hey, this, this is what my goals and plans are for the neighborhood. Then they typically like people naturally want to help out and, and be a part of something bigger than themselves. I think that has helped me personally, um, painting the vision into people and, and really, you know, supplying opportunities of jobs and, and, uh, even with neighbors and helping them out, stuff like that has been very lucrative. Yeah. Great. Yeah. If you're, especially if you're in a, in the market that you're investing in, it definitely makes it a whole lot easier too to kind of paint that picture. It's just very hard when, you know, when you're investing out of state and raising money here or finding investors even to kind of paint that picture, it gets really difficult. Yeah, sure. Your goal setting and goal planning and what you're yeah. trying to do in terms of goals is easy to follow. Then people are like, I don't know what the hell neighborhood you're talking about here. And you yeah, know, I've never yeah. been there, you know, so. Yeah. As far as raising money out here, a little bit different, but as far as like, you know, making the neighborhood better and yep. you know, renting it out or, or selling it as a, a turnkey to some other investors that actually care yeah. for the neighborhood and taking that eyesore, turning into something better, yeah. you know, people, people get gravitated toward that towards yeah. that, which is awesome. It's the why. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, I want to talk about repetition for a second. Um, just because, you know, you mentioned reaching out after you talk to, uh, 200 realtors or reaching out to 50 different, uh, property management companies in the area. Yep. You know, I personally believe repetition is very important and I, I get in arguments sometimes with people that I'm coaching because they'll hit their goal after just like a few of, of like finding a lender, I'm like, you know, reach out to a hundred lenders and then hard money lenders and then screen them all out, learn how to talk the talk and then figure out which one, you know, will be useful for you. After like the fifth one, they find that, that like ideal person and then they just stop and they give up. You know, how important do you think it is for repetition? Yeah, I think that it's all, so the more people that you talk to, the more you become better at asking the right questions yep. and also cutting people. For me, the, the first thing that I'm trying to figure out on the phone is why this person does not work. Um, and then the yeah. person who, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. every question is like, okay, if you don't answer this question correctly, like you're done and I can save my, cause my, it was like time is money. So of I'm course. not going to ask you the questions I already, I already know. Like, are you licensed? And blah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not going to waste my time with that. It's like, especially calling hard money lenders, like, okay, do you need to, if I don't want, you know, a personal guarantee, Hey, do you require a personal guarantee? Oh, okay. See you later. You know, yeah. and, and get going through those questions and then, um, and having those lists of questions, even in like a hierarchy or something like that. So it can save you time and, and money. Yeah. Um, and always like, yeah, having more options, the better. Um, if it's not going to take up all your time. Right. So I don't want you calling all, you know, hard money lenders for three months either. But yeah. Yeah. You should have a couple of different options because you may not have all the answers, especially if you're first starting. Um, you, somebody may look good on paper, but you didn't see this one thing, which nobody's ever explained to you. 
you know, let's just say points, even though it's pretty basic, but yeah. Oh, you didn't know that they charge, you know, three points up front and this guy's charging one or two points and you may not know the difference. So really going through what those people are sending you and looking at the term sheets and different things like that. And the more you begin talking to people, you may even figure out or realize things that are, that are options with one company that aren't options with another company either that you may have never heard of. So yeah, I agree. Going through the motions and collecting as much data as you can so you can make the most informed decision. Um, but then I think the key even after that is, is making a decision. So a lot of people yes. will collect yes. data for two years and like you yeah. call a hundred hard money lenders and they'll, they'll call a hundred, but they'll never use one of them. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's definitely not what we're talking about here <laughs> on the podcast. Ready, set, go. Cause it's all about taking action. Yeah. No, uh, but nevertheless, you know, repetition, just like we're mentioning here, it is extremely important because yeah. especially if you're brand new to the game, if you're brand new, can barely speak the lingo, don't know what the hell the lenders are talking about or, or anybody for that matter, then it, it's okay to, you know, a lot of people out there are scared to, to ask the questions or sound like stupid or like they don't, you know, uneducated. They're, they're scared they could get taken advantage of and it very well like possibly could happen. Uh -huh. But at the same time, it, it's okay to ask the questions and it's okay to tell them like, hey, I'm brand new, you know, give me the rundown. And then as you get more educated and talk to a hundred different lenders, then, you know, and it doesn't need to be over months. Like you can do this over two days, mm -hmm. you know, just like get back to back. It takes a yeah. few minutes on the phone. So yeah. Uh, I, I think repetition has helped me tremendously with just my education, overall talking the lingo, understanding what the hell's going on and, and just being raw and honest with people uh, to, to get that process along. Yeah. So, uh, so for the person that is listening to this and you know who I'm talking to right now, this is exactly for you. <laughs> okay, so let's dive into calculating some numbers. I just want to talk to you and see exactly, you know, everybody runs their numbers slightly different, not, you know, uh, to a certain degree. So I want to see how conservative or how loose you are with your numbers and, and what are you typically shooting for when you're running numbers on napkin? So for me, for like, there's a couple of different ways to look at it though. Um, sure. I, it it depends on what the end strategy is, you know, yeah. and, and typically with your guys' strategy, you guys are, um, you know, turnkey, but... Yeah, you still have several options. Yeah. And so the one thing that I look for is kind of is always on the sale. So look at the comps, check the ARV, yep. of course, make sure that's intact because what's different between my, what we do and other turnkey providers, we always sell our properties for their appraised value. So a lot of the other providers like add this service fee bullshit and blah, blah, blah. But we sell it for the appraised value. So whatever it appraises for is what we'll sell it to. So we have to be you know, really damn sure on what the appraised value is. And then from there, we're looking for our clients to make anywhere from like an eight to 9% cap rate. And then that gives them like a 15 to 18% cash on cash return with a tenant in place, property management, et cetera. That makes sense. Now, uh, as far as the appraisal goes, is this a third party? Yep. This all been by the lender. So like, imagine you buy a property from me, you sign the contract, we introduce you to the lender, you go and get financing through them. Then the bank wants to verify that the property is worth that. So they'll order the appraisal. From a uh, third party company. Third they'll party. hire somebody yeah. randomly. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't even have, that was like the, the difficult thing when starting off this thing is we just kept getting nailed on these appraisals and yeah. we knew that the values were not there. Um, we're not like 
we had more money in the deal and I would show the client and the lender, like here's how much I'm making. I have more money in this damn deal. You're telling me that this renovation's worth less than how much, you know, like it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Don't you want me to better this neighborhood? Yeah. Like, I've well, ran into the same issue several times and you know, the appraisal is, is so crucial. That's why yeah. moving forward, I really, I try to be out there every time I get an appraisal done just so I can really try to win them over and show them what the hell I put yeah. into this project. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, and so it took me a couple of different lenders um, to get to the right one who was like more of a, a Midwestern lender. They had appraisers who were actually like from the neighborhood. So just had the right pool of appraisers because some of these big banks, like who I started working with was like Wells Fargo. And yeah. they just have like, dude, it's like, oh, so we're in Memphis. And they're like, oh, just Western Tennessee. If any appraiser out of, you know, two hours away from Western Tennessee, you know, from Memphis, Hat, you know, lives in this area and is a certified appraiser, then they get the appraisal, right? And it's a new person every time. They have no idea about the neighborhood. They drive through it. They're like, oh, this is a shithole. Well, yeah. you, don't know what, you don't know what's been going on. You don't know the history of this area and what's been happening, right? Yeah. They're, they're only looking at how cheap you bought it for. And yeah. then, uh, yeah. you know, they're thinking that you put barely anything into it and try to like squeeze by a ton of money here. I know. Yeah. And they think we're like, yeah, some billionaires from California because they yep. look at where we, you know. And so that's when we started looking at some local lenders and that's when we really had success. So now we like push all of our clients to these local lenders who know the markets we're in. They have local appraisers who are local to those areas or at least to the city to know what's going on and what has been going on. And they can look at the data and don't have to spend hours and hours trying to catch up. Yeah. Uh, they already know what's going on. Um, and yeah, that's the biggest risk too, that I think with, with the burst strategy and what mm -hmm. I tell, what I try to educate a lot of people on too, is like, yeah, burr's great on paper, but the one thing that can screw you over is, is that appraiser. And the reason why I know that is because, you know, my first 20 deals didn't appraise and I yeah. was like, shit, what am I going to do now? Like yeah. I have 20 people pissed off at me, my investors, you know, who have all this money in the deal. I told them it was worth 70 grand It appraised for 40 and, um, you know, what, what are we going to do? And the, the thing we did was change the lender and luckily the things appraised, but yeah. I have no idea, you know, if that's my first deal and I'm a, you know, I'm an investor and this is my first deal. I mean, I don't know. Do you throw your hands up in the air? Do you leave it with all cash? You know, it's a, can get really, really scary when that appraisal comes back low. Yeah. So there's some, sometimes it gets a little crazy, but, um, there, there's hard money lenders out there technically consider hard money like Vizio or, uh, Lima oh, yeah. one. Yep. And those lenders typically you can get, I believe Vizio at least, you can get your own appraiser if, if you know yeah, of yeah. someone, they'll allow you instead of hiring out a third party. And in that situation, if you have somebody that you're close with that you're building a relationship over time with and, uh, and they're realistic with what the hell you're doing to the neighborhood and can give you some real comps that, that you're finding as well, not like unethical, like uh, gestures here by any means, but like some real comps that, you know, add to what you, you are doing to the neighborhood. Then... Yeah, but it's not, yeah, but I wouldn't call it unethical. I've used, I've used Vizio Lending, Vizio Lending too. And yeah, they, they refinance a four unit apartment building. Yep. But I mean, yeah, if you have, if you have the leverage and the thing's not government backed or government financed, then yep. you can do whatever, you know, it's a relationship between you and Vizio Lending or you and Lima One, so. For sure. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you can do to get that, that value yeah. up, yeah. you do it. Yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, and FYI, if anybody is looking for some hard money lending, Vizio is awesome. And I recently just became uh, like a, a broker uh, for them. So, um, so I can technically write up and submit uh, for some loans if anybody is looking to get their, their first deal or awesome. uh, any deals done in that matter. Yeah, I use Vizio lending on my second deal, my triplex, and, and it was definitely extremely crucial. Yeah, me too. Cause the thing, cause we don't have, so the other benefit of them too, is that they have, um, it's more like an, it's like an asset based loan. So it doesn't really matter what, cause me and my dad both run our own companies and we don't have my, my dad, I know I said he's quitting his job, but he has a project management consulting company, but it really means that he's working for a company and he runs everything through his business, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just to yeah. clear, cause then people are like, yeah. dude, you said he's quitting his job. Yeah. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> but yeah. So we both don't have like a W2 income. So if you don't have a yeah. W2 income and you're looking to do the burr, then those are the companies you have to work with. So before you buy the damn thing, go and talk to Vizio and say, yeah. Hey, this is what I'm thinking about. Or, you know, give you a call and say, Hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. The property is going to appraise for this, the rents, I'm hoping to get this. Here's the blah, 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 blah. And then they'll be able to already like look at, and s you can literally run the numbers on the whole entire life of the project. And of then course. The thing that has to hit is the appraiser. Yeah. Is the appraisal. So I would definitely do that, especially if you're getting into like a duplex or a quad or something like that. Cause they have some funny rules uh, around those, those things and certain values they're looking for, et cetera. So true. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And just like you mentioned, when, when it comes down to the appraisal is like that one key instrument that could really just screw up the whole birth strategy. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why I, I think that there's so many, there's so many different moving pieces, but there, there's also so many different backup plans that you should technically be able to have when you're investing in real estate. When yeah. somebody, when I see somebody screw up out there in real estate, and, and they, you know, they throw the bad name to it. They get all upset about it. Nine times out of 10, they started off with plan A. And then <laughs> it, instead of going to when, when shit hits the fan with plan A, instead of going to B or C or D, they jump right to like Z automatically. Like, and then they cancel out all the other opportunities that they had. Yeah. So I, I think that's very crucial to just like educate yourself on all the different creative ways to be able to get out of deals and to just switch up something a little bit. Like if the appraisal doesn't go well, then you could do seller financing. You could do uh, turnkey. Like you can have backup plans to be able to cover your ass. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then I always run my numbers based on like, especially with the apartment buildings, because those things like you never really know. Like we, we bought this apartment building. We thought the rents were 550. We thought we raised it up to 700 and we, we got 850, but shit. I mean, the thing could have gone the other way too. We could have got 650. You never really know what's going to happen. I mean, you're, imagine you put a property under contract in the middle of the year, you close yeah. on it at the end of the year and then the rent of it, you know, the units are done the next year in the summer. So it's like a whole year gap and you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you can run comps all day long, but <laughs> I have another building under contract today. Yeah. Like last week I put it under contract and every, every day now I'm looking at the comps and seeing how the rents are changing and are they going up and what's the kind of inventory looking like, right? Yeah. So there's a definitely a lot of, lot of moving parts that you have to look for. But what I always do is I always, like you said, like take like um, when I, before I get into a deal, like, okay, the worst case scenario is I have to hold this thing all cash and I can get, at least I know I can get these rents. And what is my return on my money there? Is it five, six, 8%? Okay. Am I happy? 
with that percentage if yeah. shit really hits the fan and I cannot liquidate. So I do the same thing with the apartment building. Okay, if I don't spend any money on the building, if I don't increase the rents, if I just increase the rents, you know, 20 bucks a unit or something like that, something very nominal, then am I happy with this 8% return? Yeah. Yes, that's fine with me, right? So the worst case scenario now is, is that 8% return. Um, so that's something I've run through in my head. It's like always the worst case scenario. And are you happy with that number that's, that's being spit out? I like that. Yeah. Now it, when you're running your numbers, is there as far as, you know, dealing with the holding cost or, you know, possibly permits or, um, yeah. or, or even your ARV, like how conservative are you with, with, uh, the ARV? Very conservative. Yeah. I'd rather, again, I'd rather, I look for my minimum profit number really with, with each deal. And then if the ARV fits into that, then, then that's great. You know, I've had properties sell like $20,000 over what I'm, you know, I thought the ARV was 70. It sold for, you know, 90, 85,000 and it appraised. And I'm like, holy shit. All right. Well, that's yeah. a home run. But you know, if I did it the other way around and said, okay, ARV is 85 and then it appraised for 70, like I'm going to, you know, my investors and especially when you have investors, right? So you have to show them kind of so crucial. Yeah. You almost want to show them the worst case scenario, but where they still make a return. Yeah. Cause then the first couple of deals, like I told them, okay, the profit's going to be five, you know, 10 grand. We're going to split it 50, 50. You'll make five. I'll make five. You fund the entire deal. That's how I set it up. Yeah. But, and I was like, project's going to take six months. So you'll make five grand in six month period for your $50,000 investment. So let's say a 20% return. But then I did the project in three months and I made a $20,000 profit instead of 10. Yeah. Now guess who's my investor forever? Yeah. That, you know, it, so, it's so crucial to do your investors right and really over deliver like really be critical on this just to buy some extra backup plans. And when you over deliver, just like you said, like guess who's my investor forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't want to go anywhere else, but instead if it was the, if it was like flip flop on the other side of that, that coin and you know, you had to go back to them and say, Hey, we actually need more money. We need yeah. to raise more money for this deal or Hey, we're, we're not going to break even on this. Like we're going to lose money then, then that's that tough conversation. And when you're, when you're dealing with somebody else's money, it's something that you really shouldn't uh, take light whatsoever because this is business and the word will, will spread very quickly yep. and, uh, and now slow up, you know, anything, <laughs> yeah. you know, anything very quickly that you had planned for your future. Exactly. Um, yeah. But, I agree. but yeah, I love that. Cool. Well, um, you know, I, I know that I think in your bio, you, you mentioned that, you know, just recognizing a good deal. Is there anything in particular? I think, you know, I 100% agree with you. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, after you look at so many damn deals, analyzing them, uh, offer and, yeah. you know, completing deals, just looking at some pictures, you can get extremely close to what the project's actually going to look like. And, and that's just the repetition once again of, you know, doing so many. But is there anything in particular that, you know, maybe in the beginning for you first getting started, how you could recognize a good deal? Yeah. And that just comes with the repetition part. So yeah. like I looked at, I don't know how many deals, probably like 200, 500 projects ran the numbers for all those deals before I, you know, before I got that first house under contract in Memphis, Tennessee. And then, then it's super easy to tell because you, at the beginning you're going in, you're like, okay, I'm supposed to make this much money. And then you go and like you run every single deal in a entire zip code or an entire city. And you're like, Oh, well, these two work. Right. And then you send a contractor out. Oh, the rehab's way higher. Okay. Well 
I thought the rehab was 10. It's actually 25. Let me go look at the photos. Okay. That's what it looked like. And it was high cause it needed a new HVAC, a new hot water tank. Oh shit. Yeah. I forgot to look at those photos or though there was no photos in there. Right. So that's kind of how it's just repetition and just muscle memory of doing deal after deal, after deal, after deal, and also practicing running comps and, uh, and running that ARV number, which you don't really know is ever going to be correct. So have somebody double check it too. So have the realtor or the property manager on the ground verify, you know, I think we can rent out for 900. Well, did you ask property manager? Yeah. Yeah. They said 950. Okay, great. So 900 is the right yeah. number, you know, not 950. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then did you ask your realtor what the appraised value is? Yeah. He said 75. What did you have? 70. Okay. Keep it at 70. Yeah. You know, so then, so you kind of match everything. And even when I brought my brother in, in at the beginning of the year, okay, run your whole analysis, send it to the team on the ground, have them verify every number. And then if our numbers are lower then just keep them as is. And we know that at least we're in the same ballpark range, but yeah, really repetition on running deal after deal after deal after deal. You'll be able to like instinctively notice a, a good deal when it comes about. Of course, yeah. And overall, it's it is kind of like the the trust but verify thing, just in a, a different twist to it. Yeah. Of, you know, just verify through other individuals to make sure that this information that you're getting is accurate. Yeah. And then just common sense when it comes down to budgeting you know, for expenses, always over expect and then under estimate when it comes down to your income. That's yeah. just what I, I like to do to have that extra additional spread, that extra cushion just in case. Yep. Yeah. And then once you get, once you do more and more deals, so you may have like a $5,000 other expenses or closing costs budget when you first start, but then like a miscellaneous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that or the buffer. And then, you know, you could slowly start creeping that down and yep you know, the closing cost for the buying, you may start with 2,500 and it may keep going down until, so that's what we did. So, you know, let's do your first 10 deals, then, okay, let's make a spreadsheet of all the numbers for the last 10 deals and let's calculate the average. And then, okay, let's plug that average into, now we underwrite deals a tiny bit differently. Our numbers are, yeah. you know, a 10th more accurate. And then you just keep, keep changing, keep updating. Um, and you may change a lender. So now you need to update all those lending lending fees and you may change to a different escrow company or a different market. And so, yeah, this it's constantly changing and updating and, and re looking at the numbers and revisiting all that stuff. Yeah. Just reevaluating your numbers, your offers, because you could potentially be leaving a lot of deals on the table out there yeah. that, that you're not snagging up because you are leaving a big buffer at the yeah. same time. You know, when you're first getting started, I highly recommend keeping a buffer in there. Uh, and, and don't get too cocky with it for, <laughs> for a second, because one of those times it could come up and bite you in the butt. So make sure at that point, when you start getting a little bit more strong with it, um, that, you know, as you're eliminating it, you do have some extra reserves to the side, yeah, some backup in, plans. Yeah. Please put in a buffer of yeah. like at least 10%. Yeah, exactly. If not 20%. Yeah. For real. Yeah. 20% in the beginning is what I was doing on a regular basis. And, uh, on certain situations it helped 100%. Oh yeah. It was needed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about just setting up a team in general. I know we spoke a little bit in the beginning about this, but, but overall, I, I think kind of like the greedy side of this, this one-on-one podcast right here is I think that is possibly what I've been struggling on just really systemizing the process of really setting up the team properly to okay. be able to scale it. Okay. 
and you're trying to do the let's do let's do it then so yeah um so you're trying to do like the burr strategy yeah and out of state correct yeah okay and then what do you have a property management company already no so i i do my own property management because i haven't been able to find a good property management company so i really screen very tough just like a bank i think at this point i i do actually have a property manager that would be great okay. but i'm at this point, I just it's not needed, <laughs> which is crazy, is right? Needed, dude. I know, I know, can I know. You say, can you say what market it is? Yeah, so it's it's uh it's in Ohio. It's about uh, thirty minutes away from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, on the Ohio side, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are tough. Okay. So the, the situation is, it's like basically they're all criminals in that area. Yeah. And I finally found this one like saint, which is awesome. And I really do trust her. I think she's going to be great. Um, but at this point, like I screen so hard on all my tenants, they're all filled and they're all like very top of the line and the properties are all fully remodeled. So like, I'm not having problems with either. And if yeah. I did get a property manager and like leverage it all right now, it, it's going to cost me over a thousand bucks. And, uh, and it's just not needed per month. Plus it's, you know, it, it's very minor stuff. Like very, every once in a while I'll have a, a call. Yeah. I know what you're saying. As um, I scale, I know it's needed 100%. Yeah. And I mean, you can also, you can also go to that, you know, the saints you found or the other property management companies that you do find. The reason why I said, Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Is because you didn't say like, Oh, Pittsburgh proper or Cleveland proper or Cincinnati proper. So these other like markets or sub markets of major markets yeah, where you are, like it, if it's too far away for a Pittsburgh property management company to, to manage it, yeah, yeah, then it gets difficult because you're also on the other side of the border. So now they have to have licenses in both States and do all this kind of weird crap. So yeah, it gets really hard when you're in those tertiary or fourth or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like a smaller area. So it's not like the bigger property management companies. It's more yeah. or less like, the mom and pops that are yeah. criminals yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that aren't going to do me well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it gets hard then. Um, but still you need to find somebody yeah. and don't look at it. The numbers wise really. And yeah, just be may just be for a phone call here or two there, but, but that one or two phone calls is taking you time away from you, you know, finding more deals, raising more money, doing more yeah. deals, talking to more lenders, right? So that's what you need to be focused on. And that's what you're good at. Yeah. You're, not, you're not good at, you know, I don't know your background, but <laughs> you don't need to be good at like calling plumbers or electricians to yeah. go over to this thing, to managing evictions, to collecting rent or charging late fees or doing all the accounting bullshit either. So really bringing that person in there, it's not for when things are going great. Like, yeah, they're not needed. The issue is going to come when two of those tenants need to be evicted. Three of those tenants need to be evicted and you know, it may happen. And then shit's going to, your whole business is going to stop. You're not going to be able to do podcasts like this for sure. You're going to be <laughs> over there and you know, managing stuff and going to court and doing all this crap and finding a lawyer. So for in property management, yeah, you don't maybe not see the value in it today, but trust me when you know, three or six months down the line, you're going to regret not signing up for one today because it's really going to, your whole, trust me, your whole business is going to, is going to come to a halt and it's going to take all of your time to manage that headache that does, that does come up when it does, not if it does. So good. It, it is so good. <laughs>
Antoine, it, it really is just because, I mean, at the end of the day, I know that's one of the steps that I need to be able to just focus on my strengths as, as far as raising money, finding yeah. more deals, making the offers. And then as, as I leverage that out, go full time on what I need to be doing yeah. and all the other moving pieces will really start flowing together as well. Exactly. Because then too, like they can also, yeah, like even just like taking professional photos, screening all the tenants you can share with, you're the boss. So, yeah. Hey, you guys, this is my I got templates for it all. Yeah, exactly. Here's my criteria. Can you follow the first question I would ask? Yeah. Hey, I already have these all rented up. Blah, blah, blah. Here's my criteria. Are you guys okay with following my criteria instead of using yours? Yeah, sure. Brandon. Okay, cool. Great. On to the next question. You know, some people are going to say, no, we have our system, blah, blah, blah. Okay. See you later. So, yeah. um, just calling it. Yeah. Like you, you probably already done it, but calling as many property managers as you can and asking them that question and yeah, it may take one to two companies to, to go through, or you may need to go and do like I did and schedule, you know, you to go out there and kind of see their back office if they do have one. Um, but I've heard a lot of great success and with people who are just killer property managers and it's just one lady who has, you know, two maintenance guys below her and one lady who does the books and it's the best property management company ever. And they only manage 200 or a hundred doors, but, um, she's amazing and she knows all the tenants and et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I love it. You don't need to have some huge $3,000, 3000 door property management company. Just find somebody that's going to work for, for your portfolio today. It's so good. Yeah. I love that brother. I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, I, I need to take it to heart and really run with <laughs> it. Honest to God. <laughs> yeah, dude. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I know we already spoke about this a little bit, but I wanted to just see one more time. Is there any other learning curves that you think would be just beneficial for any of the listeners out there? A lot of the listeners are brand new, first getting started into real estate or intermediate with a, with a few underneath their belt. You know, is there any final words that you could give to the listeners that, that would be able to help them? Yeah. So I always say this, like study, studying is great. Like looking at numbers, looking at the different ways to invest is, is terrific. Um, so like you'll learn about wholesaling, just yeah. learn the basic stuff. So wholesaling, this is what wholesaling means and what it does. This is flipping houses. This is what it means. This is what it does. This is what, like how much money you can make wholesaling. Here's how much money you can make on a per deal basis, et cetera. And then buying rental properties and you know how it works, different avenues to get into there. Do you want to do bird? Do you want to buy turnkey? And then, learning all of those different ways to invest, but then matching them with your resources today. So do you have a full-time job? Do you have two kids at home? Um, do you like your job? Do you hate your job? You know, there's a lot of questions that you have to ask yourself. How much money do you have in the bank? Do you have $20,000? Do you have $250,000? Um, can you flip in your local market with just $20,000 or, you know, do you want to just go and buy our turnkey rental properties better for you today? Because you only have 20 grand and you have a W2 income and you have kids. So matching up and looking at like the time and also the return for yeah. how much money you have today and how much time you have today and what strategy is going to work best for you. Cause I see it all the time. People like have like that, like I literally mentioned, they have a full-time job. They maybe have, you know, they're newly married or they have a young child or something like that. And, they're like, Oh, I want to flip houses yeah. in LA. And I'm I like, I see okay. it all the time, brother. I'm, I'm telling like, you, how, how much money do you have saved up? Oh, yeah. Like, like 14,000 bucks. I'm like, dude, you're totally. And they're like, I already read like 40,000 books about this and listen to all these podcasts about flipping houses in the local market. I know what to do. And I'm like, that's great. You know what to do, but 
unless you quit your job, you're not going to be able to do it. There's, yeah. there's no way or else you're going to cut time away from your family and your young, yeah. your child and stuff like that. And do you really want to do that? Yeah. And they say, Oh no, I love my job. I want to keep my job. It's like, okay, well leverage your, your, the bank loves you. So you want to do anything that relates to using leverage. Yeah. So, you know, burst strategy is great. Buying rentals off the MLS, buying through a turnkey provider. Those are all great ways to get started because you are financeable today. So yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Matching your resources to, to the strategy that works best today. You don't need it forever, but what's going to get you started today and um, get you started in real estate, real estate investing uh, right now. Yeah, it's so good. It really is. And at the end of the day, you don't need to quit your job, you know, first getting started. I, I actually oppose against that. You know, I, I really think that it's smart to hang on to your job mm-hmm. and leverage and really make sure like, Hey, this is a for sure thing. If you do take it serious, you can within just a short amount of time. I mean, you guys did 10 the first year, 60 plus the second, you're about to double that this year. I mean, it's like <laughs> within a short period of time, you can yeah. leave your job. Uh, yeah. if that is really your pain point behind it. But just like you said, I mean, it's, it's so crucial to look at your resources because I, I run into this all the time as well. So many people think that they see it on TV, fix and flip, or, or they're on social media and they get distracted with wholesaling now. It's the biggest thing, yeah. you know, or rentals. But, but realistically, and I'm thankful you brought this up because we just did a, a podcast episode, one or two before this, I think episode 65, and um, and I'm going into 30 plus ways to make money in real estate. So identifying, just do a little bit of education on all the different ways to yeah. invest in real estate to make money and see which one you resonate with, which one you align with and which really aligns with your resources. Because if you are working a full-time job, if you are newly married and you have a, a few kids or you know barely any income uh, you know, saved to the side, yeah. You know, fix and flip might not be your strategy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just, yeah, th- there's so many different ways. I think simplifying real estate, that's the first thing I do with uh, when, I, when I'm coaching somebody, I'm, I'm breaking down, educate yourself a little bit on everything, figure out which strategy you resonate with, and then let's take it to figuring out the location. Yeah. And then building the relationships and uh, submitting offers, you know? Yep. I agree. <laughs> Yeah. I also hear it all the time too. It's like also manage, like educate yourself on personal finances and get your finances and your shit together personally before you even think about investing. I've had people come to me and have meetings with me in coffee shops and they're like, all right, Antoine, I'm ready to buy a turnkey rental. I'm like, okay, well, how much money do you have saved up? $20,000. Okay. Do you have any debt? No, I own my home free and clear, but I have a, yeah, I have $50,000 in credit card that's, that's overdue. So my credit score is taking a hit and I'm like, okay, well you're not ready to buy a, ter- a rental property. Yeah. You yeah. shouldn't even be thinking about buying a rental property. Yeah. You should pay off that loan, that credit card line you have at 25% interest rate. Cause that's a way higher interest rate than what you're going to make investing in any kind of real estate, buddy. So, so true. <laughs> and way less risk. The more you pay that down, you need to get your credit score up. And I literally ended the, I was like, you need to go and save all your money and yeah. You know, cook at home for the next year and pay off that money and then give me a call in a year when you have some more money saved up. But I was like, you are not, it would be a stupid thing for me to recommend investing in any kind of real estate. Yeah. I mean, real, real estate at the end of the day, it's a business and money management skills need to be practiced beforehand because whether you like it or not, it is a business. 
and and you need to treat it like a business. So your finances need to be on point and uh, and understand where the money's coming in and understand where it's going out to really be you know prepared for it. Yeah. So Antoine, dude, I appreciate you so much. I really resonate with what the hell you're doing. You're making a huge impact, brother. And dude, I, I support you. I'm I'm really uh, I'm just super pumped. I'm excited for you, man. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um, it was great chatting with you. Definitely some new points that I haven't talked about before. So yeah, yeah it's, I think great. Your listeners will like it. Yeah, no, of course they will. And, uh, because you just dropped so much gold on all the listeners, what can the listeners do to add value to you? And oh, then if, if you wouldn't mind kind of just breaking down how people can get a hold of you and reach out yeah, to you. Yeah. yeah. So I'm big on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram. Martel Antoine, M-A-R-T-E-L-A-N-T-O-I-N-E. I post a lot of content um, just about how I got started or how to get started in real estate. So feel free to follow me, shoot me a DM. I'll answer all your questions. The one thing that I need help with now or way people can add value to me is go subscribe to my YouTube channel. Yes. So I just started that a couple months ago. I have a bunch of videos, but I only have like 250 subscribers. So yeah, if people want to go and subscribe to me, feel free. You can just type my name in there and it comes up first i think so antoine martel on youtube and then if you want my personal contact info or want to schedule a call or something you can go to my website martelturnkey.com that's the turnkey website you can look at what we do you can set up a phone call with us if you want to talk about turnkeys or anything else um there's like a little link to schedule a call okay and what is uh the podcast called again Oh yeah. So I have a podcast as well. It's called a millennials guide to real like, estate investing. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there's so much stuff. I'm like, writing a, I'm like writing a, an ebook now. So like the, the podcast is called a millennials guide to real estate investing. Okay. Writing a series of books now called like a millennials guide to, you know, buying rentals out of state or flipping houses or, you know, doing like little short little books. So yeah, there's all, there's so much stuff going on, but yeah, I have a podcast too. And we, you know, just like Brandon, we interview a bunch of top real estate investors and ask them certain questions and see how they went from zero to something. So yeah, feel free to check that out as well. It's on all the platforms. I love it. And the one thing that you guys could do is simply just go to subscribe to the podcast, obviously, and uh, go check out his YouTube as well. Subscribe to that, show some love. Um, afterwards, I, I got to actually talk to you about YouTube. I got a, I got a great guy that can really help you, uh, do some awesome. big things with that. But, um, guys, by all means, I know you found value in this. There's no question behind that. I know it. So, uh, just do me a favor, share this out to as many people as you can. Uh, you know, we're so geared towards educating, motivating, and preparing people to just crush it in real estate investing. And, uh, you know, make sure you go to iTunes, subscribe, hit that subscribe button so you get the newest episode every single Monday. Give me a five star. It's it's common sense. Five star and, <laughs> and throw in a review in there. It just has a special little algorithm to promote it out there to more people. And um, and besides that, you guys can always reach out to me at brandonelliotinvestments.com, uh, Instagram, brandonelliotinvestments, or facebook.com slash brandonelliotrei. So with that being said, if you guys do jump on iTunes, subscribe, leave a review and uh, shoot a screenshot of that over to me, then I will send you my book action driven, absolutely free or a magazine as well. You're definitely going to want to get your hands on this absolutely free. 
appreciate you guys all so much for tuning in and really diving into this content. And as always, stay blessed. We'll see you on the next one. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.